0: Welcome to CrossFit versus Pregnancy, the podcast for the first time or new fit mum who's looking for reassurance and guidance about training throughout their pregnancy. I'm Misha, a coach who went from competitive bodybuilder to CrossFitter to expecting first time mum all in 18 months. Having searched through what feels like the entire web for dos and don'ts, I realised that the best way I could prepare for a CrossFit baby. Would be to speak to those with first hand experience and share mine week by week. From coaches to athletes, new mums to veteran parents, you can follow my CrossFit pregnancy journey as well as learn from those who have successfully lived through it. Three, two, yeah. Hi everyone, welcome back. This is CrossFit versus Pregnancy. I'm Misha. I am currently um, in my final trimester of my first pregnancy and this is the podcast where we aim to inspire and reassure women to continue to train throughout their pregnancy and on their postpartum recovery so today I am really excited to introduce a guest who actually a listener if you're listening I'm so sorry I can't remember your name but I'll dig you out and thank you personally actually inspired me to get in touch um, with this guest and said that she would be a perfect guest for the podcast and having been in touch and done a little bit of my own social media stalking, I couldn't agree more. So let me tell you a little bit about who is joining us today. She's a mum of three. She has Jessica, who's 13, Harriet 11, and Finn, who's just turned four. And she works full time as the head of European sales or meteorology at Atmospheric G2. Sounds interesting. Looking forward to understanding more about that. But she also owns two businesses, Halo Fitness, which is a fitness clothing brand, and Fit Kids Training, selling fitness toys for kids, which, again, can't wait to talk about. It sounds and looks really awesome. So she started CrossFit six months after having Jess, so 13 years ago trained throughout her pregnancies with both harriet and finn she did her PT and pregnancy and postpartum athlete qualification when on maternity leave with finn so that she could help understand her safe return to fitness and help advise others and she has an amazing story about that transformation from postpartum to back to competitive um yeah back to a competition as well which is awesome so we'll go into all of that so Without further ado, welcome to Re Pearson. Hi, Ree. Hi there. How was that to hear all of that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me and appreciate um it was that recommended me to you as well. So thank you to them.
0: And yeah, that's pretty much summarizes my slightly crazy life. I mean, I'm so interested to find out more in detail, but yeah. crazy is one way of putting it. I would say full and busy and um, yeah, just absolutely amazing that you have the time to have three children and work full-time and have two businesses. It's just quite mind-blowing and I'm sure a lot of women are thinking, how do you do it? So I'm really looking forward to finding out a little bit more. So so let's start way back when you had um, your first child and we can go into the other two. So this was 13 years ago. So tell us a little bit about your sort of training at that point before you found CrossFit. What were you up to, if anything?
1: So before I had, I started doing CrossFit, I was a bit of a jack of all trades. I, I played hockey um, in Birmingham where I was living at the time. And um, I also went to the gym. I was a gym, pure gym bunny. So cross trainer, runner, mm-hmm. um, sit ups, you know, I was of the mindset and the um, headspace where I wanted to be thin, I wanted to be, I yeah. wanted to take up less space. And it wasn't a very healthy style of training I was doing. I love playing um, hockey, but the headspace I was in at the time wasn't that healthy. Yeah. Um, and that's something CrossFit completely changed for me. And I'm so thankful for that as well, because uh, having two girls and a little boy as well, I'm just, I'm so glad that I found CrossFit for that reason as well. Mm. And so, yeah, a bit of jack of all trades. I love sports. I paddleboard, surf. Um, Amazing. I love going hiking and just being outdoors. So,
0: yeah. And amazing. I mean, that you love all of that. And I wonder how you fit it in now. (laughs) But anyway, we'll come to that. So... Then you got into, you found CrossFit. So what was it that drew you to CrossFit? Because seeing as you were someone that was essentially training to maintain a a slim physique, so obviously CrossFit really inspires the opposite of that. It's not about how you look. It's about being strong. It's about performing. So what was it that drew you to CrossFit? Yeah, so
1: funnily enough, I was actually, when my now daughter uh, now now nearly 14 year old was about 4 or 5 6 months old we lived with my in-laws while we were selling our house in Birmingham and buying a house in Worcester mm-hmm. and my father-in-law said he started this new thing it was like circuit training but with weights and various things and and uh, I was like yeah oh, I fancy trying that you know looking to um get back in shape at the time after having um Jess and I love my sport and we were playing a bit of squash already and and I was like I didn't really understand how to return safely to cross um, to fitness at the time because I well 14 years ago there wasn't much guidance on right postnatal recovery um it was just do some pelvic floor squeezes and it's like well I don't even know what the pelvic floor is mm-hmm. um so yeah, my father-in-law did it, and it was the sixth CrossFit box in the UK. It only opened a, a few months before, and there was only six in the UK at the time. And uh, so we went along to this circuit, inverted commas, um, and my first workout was Fran, which was lovely. Oh my so Fran, goodness. Obviously thrusters <laughs> and pull-ups, so I wasn't doing those, either of those. Um,
0: and yeah, the rest of the says, history that's amazing. Um so so what about in your you you just mentioned something that is so um so commonly said along this podcast about the lack of information, you know, whether it be even 5 years ago for women about training in pregnancy let alone nearly 14 years ago. So when you were tra- when you were pregnant with your first Jessica what what training did you do if any and were you had did you follow any guidance was there anything that you that kind of inspired you i know you just mentioned postpartum but what about pregnancy
1: um absolutely nothing um there was the guidance at the time was don't raise your heart rate well that's like for me uh, i've got a crazy heart rate and i can go for a walk and my heart rate would be at 120 and that was yeah. the guidance not to get your heart rate over wow. so I was just like well that's you know I if I'd listen to that guidance which has been sort of pushed out now um then it's yeah there was absolutely nothing to say what you should and shouldn't be doing mm-hmm. and so I just carried on doing what I was doing I was Good just doing cross training and I was just um doing uh, as moving as much as possible but it probably wasn't the healthiest way of moving at the time because I didn't understand it um but and and then yeah uh, postpartum I did go to like buggy fit um oh yeah when I was postpartum with with Jess and so there was that around 14 years ago. But again, it just still wasn't as understood as get your six-week sign-off and then you can start your class. But it wasn't really understood exactly what you needed to be checking for, what you needed mm-hmm. to be aware of um, when you were recovering from a baby. So even then, that wasn't No, no, things weren't as known as they were now. I think that's probably the best way of putting it. The guidance wasn't there because people were still learning. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And even even if I think back to that was sort of the time when I started in the industry about 14 years ago. And I think back to um, the possibility of doing specialist courses and pre and postnatal at the time was such a specialist course. Um, that it seemed so far out of reach for me. I mean, 14 years ago, I was 21, just starting in the industry, um so to even consider doing a course like that well one it wouldn't have been on the forefront of my mind let alone thinking well why would I want to be a specialist in something that I'm not planning on getting in you know I'm not planning on having a baby anytime soon but it wasn't something that was spoken about in the industry it was all about getting people looking and feeling good getting them stronger getting them lifting weights um and the basics really so I can completely relate to that from my perspective in the industry so then you you're obviously had your daughter and you were saying you went went to CrossFit after that so what about training in your subsequent pregnancies because obviously you found CrossFit by then and clearly you were hooked because you've been doing it ever since so how did you feel about continuing to CrossFit in your second and, and third pregnancies?
1: Yeah so during my second pregnancy, so Harriet had just turned eleven yesterday, actually. So oh, happy um, birthday, Harriet. <laughs> Thank you. So again eleven years ago, there was very little guidance and crossfit training in pregnancy. So there wasn't there was no athletes that had, had babies because it was so new. Obviously nowadays you've got Cara Saunders, you've got Annie Thorisorter. There's um there's so many people that have had babies who are professional CrossFit athletes. Yeah. But back then there was no guidance even from the professionals because they, it was such a young sport mm. um, that people just weren't having babies. They were all young. Um, and so I, my coach knew a little bit, but at the time he didn't really know much. He said, oh, try and look it up, see what you can find. I found a couple of mum groups, but... Um again there wasn't much guidance. And so I carried on as normal, probably did some things I probably shouldn't have done. I was very, very lucky um, that I didn't have any issues postpartum with um Harriet, especially. So because I did things like I ran during pregnancy. I did a lot of impact still because I wasn't aware that these things were bad for your pelvic floor. Not for the baby at all. Baby's safe mm. in their little sack of goodness. But <laughs> it's um, it's your own body. Your own body um, This got this object person um, growing inside you who's bouncing around on your pelvic floor. Um, and so the more impact you create on that, the weaker your pelvic floor and the more stress you're putting on this um, muscle mm-hmm. um, that's trying to hold everything up. And um, once your baby's gone, it's obviously pelvic floor there's trying to hold up everything else, your bladder, your um, all, all your insides. So you need to be kind to that. And I didn't yeah. realize this. So I was very lucky because I did have the Harriet was nine one. So she was a big baby. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> I brew them big. <laughs> and, uh, then again, postpartum, I also didn't understand, um, how it was necessary to take my time recovering. And I just thought, well, I felt fine. I'm going to train like three weeks. I go for a run. And I, I it wasn't until after I had Finn and, there was a lot more guidance. This is four years ago. There was so much more guidance about training through pregnancy. Um, I mean, even more so now, because a lot more people have had babies in the last two, sure. three years that are well known. But at the time, four years ago, I I found the community of pregnancy and postpartum, um, pregnant and postpartum athlete community which are um, an American organization run by Brianna Battles. Yes. And she has this amazing community of women who are supporting women, helping them through um, pregnancy and guidance through postpartum minefields and sort of poo-pooing some of the things that have been set there against barriers Mm -hmm. to people being able to continue to train in pregnancy and postpartum, but then helping them understand how their body should be feeling. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I've seen um, Brianna's stuff and I've been, you know, reading heavily. I've been on a few of her um, seminars, online seminars, which is awesome. And I love the way that she her outlook on how you should be training throughout pregnancy um is is exactly what it should be in that um for anyone that hasn't actually seen Brianna I mean it will shock me if you haven't if you're pregnant and you're training because (laughs) it's definitely something that it's hard to avoid if you're looking for um good information and, and education around it but something that she really backs is that you are training for maintenance. You're not training to try and get stronger. You're not training to try and improve. This is an opportunity for you to train to birth successfully. And also um, thinking forward after that is to to set you up for a really positive recovery so it's not about making progress in pregnancy and shifting your mindset is really important on that and seeing this as a completely separate journey to being you know a competitive athlete or you know whether it be just for enjoyment training or whatever it might be so yeah I think that that's that's been a huge huge thing for the industry definitely um but even still I think that I, and I um, don't know whether you agree with this, Re is in relation to the advice that the government, the NHS gives in this country, also other governments around the world, is still pretty ancient in, in the way that it suggests or um, advises pregnant women to exercise. I mean, I know personally, I mean, I'm in my third trimester, so we're in 2022, and I was still met with judgment and shock. When I was um, in my very first um, booking in meet, um, you know, midwife appointment at eight weeks, that I'm a CrossFitter and I intended to continue to lift and train and all of those things. The shock and the disbelief that I was met with from my midwife, you know, in 2022. So let alone four years ago, 11 years ago, 13 years ago, if you'd have had those conversations. So have you got anything to say about that? What were your experiences? Yeah,
1: totally. Um, I think I found I was, I I completely agree. Government guidance is very um, universal, I think Mm -hmm. is the word to use, because they just guide people who are everyday, everyday people going around pregnant. Yes, They don't cater for a small portion of us who are very into our sport whether it is crossfit or running or swimming or playing tennis or you know you're putting more effort in than you are just walking around the shops or Mm -hmm. going around doing the housework and so they don't cater for specific sports which is why I think it's so vital to have that guidance for sport in general and like I say I I was very lucky that during my pregnancy with Finn, I continued with my coach, David Shrunke, who's been coaching me for seven years. So he knows how I move. Um, I had um, shoulder surgery. It's how I found him actually seven years ago. I had shoulder surgery and he he guided me back through that. And so he knew how I moved. He knew what I'd gone through. It was actually only during my um, postpartum with Harriet that I actually realized I had diastasis recti. So the separation of the abdominal muscles, which is common in every single pregnancy. Mm -hmm. It happens in pretty much 100% of pregnancies by the third trimester. Um, But it only becomes a diastasis if by six weeks it hasn't um, come back together because it tends to take time for... um, things to sort of move back after pregnancy it doesn't Mm -hmm. happen immediately which is one of the reasons you should take time to recover Mm -hmm. um but I I had that after Harriet so then when I was pregnant with Finn it came and loosened quite early um on with Finn so I had to be very careful when I was doing things like pull-ups or overhead work or press-ups because that's when it um your intra-abdominal pressure becomes too great and that's when it you can show um and it's not a bad thing it's not something to worry about but it's just something to be mindful of when you are training um because it is going to happen but what you tend to find with that so I am digressing entirely here but um what what you find with (laughs) what you find with that is actually your one hour Gym session in your 24 is not the time to be worried about something like that. It's being mindful getting out of bed, getting out of the bath, because things like that, when you're pushing up or sitting up, doing sit up like a crunch, like sit up in bed, that's actually when you're causing more pressure. Mm -hmm. And so you just need to be mindful of movement outside of your gym session, because in your gym sessions, probably when you're moving your best, because you're thinking about it, you're doing it mindfully, Mm -hmm. you're watching for symptoms. But actually, the rest of the twenty-three hours of the day is probably when you're not really thinking about it because you're just thinking, "Oh, I can't do anything damage now. I'm just moving." And and as I say, it's just something to be mindful and aware of so that you can adjust things accordingly. Yeah.
0: What um, what, what were you met with when it came to um your midwife? Did it, did you yeah were you honest about what you were doing and and how did they react in throughout different pregnancies?
1: Yeah, so um I can't really remember with Harriet, but for my most recent with Finn, I was very honest from a very early age early stage and I said, Oh yeah, I do CrossFit, am I okay to continue? I went, Yeah, do what you're doing. And <laughs> so I think because I went in quite confident in mm-hmm. what I was doing and that I knew my body quite well, but I also knew symptoms quite well. Yeah. So I was aware of this diastasis, which is something that is one of the main things to be cautious of. And then I understood um, I'd read a bit about impact and how you don't want to weaken your pelvic floor um, by increasing in too much impact during pregnancy because your pelvic floors are already under a lot of strain. Mm-hmm. So they were actually quite understanding. And when I had to actually be induced with it. Um he we had quite a few various issues throughout um pregnancy with Finn, but one of them was that he they looked like he was going to be small. Mm-hmm. And so he, I had to be induced. And so I went had to go to my consultant and they said, Oh, we need to get you in to be induced. And I said, oh, I'm a bit busy, um, I'm a bit busy Thursday. So like I can't make it Thursday. So oh, how about Friday? I went, oh, I'm, I'm really, I can't do Friday. Oh, I, it's a very busy time of the year for me because it was December. It's yeah. very busy for work. And I said, Saturday. And I went, well, I have got a workout planned. And then <laughs> everyone's going to be wearing um, balls attached to their stomach using tape. So, um, and they said, Well, could you come after that? I went, Yeah, I'll come in after. So I went straight for my workout and went into and they literally looked at looked at each other, looked at my husband, and Joel went, She's being serious. <laughs> <laughs> and they were just like, Okay, come in later. <laughs> so they were actually and it was really fun because in hospital, um, when I was being induced, they said, oh, you need to walk around, but don't do anything too strenuous. And they looked at me and went, oh, gosh, just walk around the hospital. You'll be fine. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. So,
0: Look at that. So how, how many weeks were you when you did that final workout before you were induced?
1: I was 39 plus four. Okay. So it wasn't that early. Yeah. It was literally, I was due on the Tuesday. I was due on the 4th, and Finn, I had Finn on the 2nd. So it was, um, and he wasn't small. He was 8'10". So he was my <laughs> wow. smallest baby. But they had measured him at five and a half pounds a few um, days what? before on the ultrasound. I, ha- I had a lot of water. Um, so he was sitting in a nice sack full of water. And I think it um, can make the uh, ultrasound sort of... Um, uh oh gosh I can't think of the word but can make the angles a bit different so yeah, but, yeah. he wasn't small at all
0: <laughs> he looked bigger than he was basically it was yeah an illusion
1: <laughs> exactly so yeah he was um a good size but wow. it was all good in the end and, and we had some great great conversation in the hospital with the midwives and there was actually one of the midwives I know there that does crossfit oh brilliant um So, yeah, there's definitely a more understanding these days Mm -hmm. of fitness through pregnancy. And I think that's very lucky compared to how it was. Yeah. Um, And I think I was especially lucky as well.
0: I think what you're saying is very true. But I think that, I mean, personally, in my experience, and I know having spoken to a lot of other athletes, coaches, you know, within this podcast and, and away from it, that actually more women experience these barriers of... Um, yeah misunderstanding or judgment or you know perhaps the midwife themselves <laughs> they don't have any personal investment in fitness so um and we have yeah. a, we have a midwife on the podcast regularly who who's explained that there is there is no need for a midwife to essentially educate themselves around fitness in pregnancy because it's not part of what they do um learning to be a midwife it's a choice you know her choice was was to understand it educate herself um, um, because she's into fitness but are the other midwives yeah. well, why would why would they choose to if they don't have to and i get that if it's not a passion um but yeah, I think it's, it's unfortunately, it still seems to be, it sounds like you had an amazing experience, which is awesome. But even in 2022, where we are still, we are so much more informed, there is all these amazing studies and women in the world that are inspiring others to continue to train and do it safely. Yet we're still met with our healthcare system with these kind of questions and doubt and judgment. It's It seems very ancient, again, ancient sort of um practices Uh, but hopefully things will continue to improve but anyway i'm digressing now so so tell me a little bit about um you've you mentioned about in your in your last pregnancy with with finn that you started to understand more about the limitations the things that you should rein back on you've mentioned impact and that was something that you didn't do in your first pregnancy or or maybe not your second as well. But I mean, what other kind of limitations did you find that you came up against, whether it was something that felt strange or that you felt like you definitely needed to not do um, across any of your pregnancies?
1: Um, so I think how I felt and what I knew I shouldn't do were two different things. Mm-hmm. So I felt great I, the first trimester with thin was probably my sickest one like I wasn't I wasn't ever sick but I felt very very nauseous mm-hmm. um to the point where I was just getting bloated I was just I just felt terrible in that first until about 14 weeks um I would go in the gym because I wanted to because I was feeling bad and then I was working and it's my de-stress and then I was feeling worse and I'd cry and oh gosh emotions everywhere mm-hmm. um And then once I got past that, I, I, as I say, I was very lucky to be programmed by my coach who understood and he did a lot of reading on it as well. And so did I. And we realized we needed to preserve my body as much as possible rather than the baby. As in the baby's perfectly safe. They're in Mm -hmm. this, like I say, they're surrounded by fluid. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, you don't want to be throwing yourself on the ground because that's not going to be good for anyone but there's things you can do to make sure your body will recover quickest postpartum and by not causing these additional pressures on your body is what's going to help you recover more Mm -hmm. and that's what it's all about It's preparing yourself for that recovery so that you're not starting on such a back foot so um yeah we took out a lot of the impact and just switched around things like running for a bike. So I did an awful lot of bike, but, but I feel you yeah, the
0: to, bike is my best. Friend yeah.
1: Too. <laughs> yeah. Um, managed to do quite a, a good lot of sprints on bikes. Like I still could get my lungs moving, but we did things like we increased rest periods. So mm-hmm. a lot of interval work. So short periods of intensity, um, And then dropping that down, resting a couple of minutes, and going again. So it's things like that, just not prolonging the intensity of workouts. Sure, yeah. I mean, like I say, everyone's very different. But that's sort of the guidance is that you go to your intensity. My intensity might be quite different to your intensity. um, How our hearts react, how our bodies feel. If you feel any tightness and things like that, then obviously it's too much for that day and different days you might also feel different yeah, as well definitely. and so I um so that's something we did and um what about gymnastics things like,
0: that's always something yes. that I find interesting about because everybody has their own way as well you know whether it's being upside down or on a rig what did you get up to on that? Yeah,
1: again, the advice is taking out gymnastics. I stopped it around 14 weeks, um, about the second trimester. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, this is due to um, the intra-abdominal pressure. Yeah. So it's to do with preserving the core. I did some strict till about maybe 20 weeks Mm -hmm. um, because I learned, you can learn some techniques of engaging your pelvic floor from breathing to mean that you don't get so much pressure building up.
0: um, Brianna does a great job of this, doesn't she?
1: Exactly, really good. And I actually saw a physio, um, a women's health physio, during pregnancy a couple of times to get checked I was doing movements correctly. Mm -hmm. um, A, so that I could make sure I was understanding my body, but B, so that when I was doing things and people would ask me, I was making sure I was doing them educated because I do have a platform where people are looking at and seeing me do things. So I wanted to make sure I wasn't putting things out there which weren't correct to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So and like I say, some people stop a bit earlier with kipping because it just doesn't feel comfortable. Yeah. And so I think the stage in which you stop is very different. Per person, but most people do stop it because of that pressure, and it's just not—it's not worth it. It's that risk worth, worth versus reward. Yeah. Um, and you can see that big doming, which becomes at the start, it might be very small, in that line in the middle of the stomach, and then gets wider and wider as your pregnancy progresses, um, and that just makes it harder to recover from postpartum. So it's not a—it's not a it's not something to be scared of and it's not something that should limit you into what you're doing. You shouldn't stop doing things because of it, but you should just be aware of it and try to manage it better. Mm. I think is what's crucial because like you say, this is what we're all about. It's not making people scared of training when pregnant. It's just making people aware that what yeah. their brain thinks they can do and what their body is telling them they should do are different things.
0: Yeah, completely. And that is exactly why um, I I I had. I spoke to another um, lady who has had two children and she's now um, pre and postnatal specialist and a uh, CrossFit athlete, et cetera, just a couple of days ago. And, and the thing that we really agreed on is as an athlete, to be told that um, you need to listen to your body is something that we have essentially gone through our entire athletic journey avoiding doing like listening to our body is something that we have to switch off if we listen to our body every time there was you know a bit of lactic acid or things got tough or our breathing rate went through the roof we would stop you know so as an athlete to kind of say we need to listen is something that is really difficult to advise whereas just changing your mindset like you've said and like Brianna says um to actually recognize that. You're not trying to achieve right now. You're trying to um, ensure the best for your body. Um, again, I completely agree with what you've said about the baby. The baby's safe, unless, you know, unless you're jumping from <laughs> high platforms or yeah. you know, <laughs> landing, and landing awkwardly and, and those kind of things. Um, but, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's a really positive way of looking at it. Um, and also it's only going to make things easier for you if you are competitive to get back to, you know, where you once were or and beyond once you've had the baby. And this, I mean, this is a perfect opportunity for me to talk about that because we were actually talking about this just before we hit record um, about your most recent uh, postpartum recovery and how you really took your time and then you, you kind of threw yourself back into a competitive journey incredibly you know fairly quickly so tell us about your experience of your most recent postpartum recovery yeah
1: so um as I say when I had finn so I was actually gosh for how old I was I was 38 when I had finn so I was sort of geriatric mum mm-hmm. um so I <laughs> particularly took my time Um, in my recovery, I did have a bad diastasis. As I mentioned, Um, just these things, like I say, it comes in every pregnancy, but post six weeks, I still had quite a large separation. And that sort of thing is influenced by age. It's influenced by number of babies. It's just genetics sometimes. So you cannot stop these things happening. You can preserve it as much as possible, like I tried, but sometimes you just can't stop it happening. So I um, took my time recovering there was quite a lot of tears I went to see a physio at 6 weeks and the physio I saw at the time was not very kind and uh, she said oh be age- be ages till you're returning to crossfit your your stomach separation's really bad she was a yoga person or something no offense against really yoga people but <laughs> it didn't work for me
0: no um
1: and uh, so she she was um, she was a little bit harsh and wasn't kind to how a new mum was feeling about herself yeah, yeah. and her body and hormones and so I was very upset and um and then I went to see my previous physio who I I hadn't had the ability to see which is Helen Keeble and messaged her and I was very very lucky as well that I had a very amazing community of women supporting women on Instagram who were all pregnant postpartum athlete coaches who you can message and chat to and just encourage you to continue going and do the rehab and when i say rehab i'm not talking always yes early days about 11 days postpartum i start my pelvic floor exercises um i actually start with the hospital ones they gave me so mm-hmm. Just very simple breathing techniques then mm-hmm. lying there and extending your leg. Very, very simple, but 11 days is all you need. Yeah. It's all you need to do is just a little bit of fresh air and walking um, and then just breathing and learning to reconnect your pelvic floor with your um, diaphragm. So diaphragm, breathing. And there's some brilliant um, posts on this online as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think the blooming method actually is one that I'd recommend following on, on Instagram. Um, if I've got that wrong, I'll let you know. But I think that's the one. She does some very, very good posts on everything pregnant and, and awesome. postpartum. You love it. Um, and uh, so I learned, I, I was doing this every day and gradually sort of trying to Um, do more leg lifts and um, gradually increase the intensity of these leg lifts and leg raises. And when I say increase intensity, I mean, do 10 rather than five. And and so I'm not talking anything substantial and continue this. And then I saw Helen Keeble and, and uh, she's in London and got an amazing team of women's health physios. And she did a full, pelvic floor inspection so she said my pelvic floor was really strong um my diastasis was mending hugely and oh, so brilliant. i could start to introduce more things and this is at 12 weeks postpartum and she said i was good to start increasing with um intensity and start introducing impact because they say for 12 weeks postpartum you shouldn't do any impact or anything that's um going to um, affects your healing of your body because you've mm-hmm. got quite a big internal injury where your percent is attached inside of you um that has to always fall off and lose an injury that's got to heal yeah um, and so you have to just test things out but they say lead impact for the first trimester so then I started increasing that after then and my coach was brilliant again just started empty bar drills and then the next week we'd do empty bar with a little bit of weight. And mm-hmm. and so progressive overload, like any injury you return from, you don't go straight in at 100 mm-hmm. percent. You just gradually increase. Um, and then then you're not going to be lying on the floor to do CrossFit. So you don't need to be continuing to lie on the floor to do your recovery. You start bar hanging. So just. Hanging off the bar with your toes touching the ground. Mm-hmm. Then you try negatives with your toe support. So I was doing this. Must have been six, seven months I was still doing this because my I was still mending my core.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then things were going well. And I started introducing slowly some more things. I got a couple of posts on Instagram, which I did on my return to pull-ups, for example. And it took mm-hmm. about eight months um, to return to those without symptoms. And then at 10 months, I thought, oh, I'll do the open, you know, go in, took thinning with me, um, did my warm up, did a bit of movement, go out for lunch, get him to sleep, come back, do the workout in the afternoon. <laughs> and uh, it went really well for me. And uh, I got one of my highest um, scores worldwide. I think I came 116th worldwide in the first workout, which wow. was at the time it was power, power snatches and burpees. Mm-hmm. um so yeah it kind of went quite well and then the second one I came top 200 again it was like oh <laughs> this is funny I wasn't <laughs> expecting this to happen <laughs> and uh yeah then they the, the, a couple of the others weren't as good um but I managed to complete like 30 muscle-ups in one of them and um that's unbelievable another one the wow. lifting one and I happened to just sign up for the Sid um masters because i i saw that they were doing masters and i was like nobody signs up for these masters events because they think oh, i'm not going to make it and i was like oh well, i'm not going to make it but i don't want them not doing masters events mm. because when i'm ready to come back they won't do them because no one have signed up for them so i thought i'll just sign up to make the numbers and and then um i'll try again next year and um it happened i qualified and <laughs> i was like oh amazing <laughs> wasn't expecting that um <laughs> So, yeah, 11 months, uh, post, well, 10 and 11 months postpartum doing the Open, qualified for my first uh, Masters sanctioned event, um, which was end of January 2020, just before lockdown. So I was just a, just a year postpartum when I did that.
0: That's incredible. What, what a huge, you, you, do you realise how amazing that is? I mean, I hope that you do. <laughs> it's uh, all been downhill from there but that's uh, (laughs) (laughs) rubbish rubbish well I know you have spoken about an knee injury and and you having surgery (laughs) and that kind of thing which which doesn't sound fun at all but what an amazing achievement you know and I think this people like you women like you whether you are you know yourself an amazing achievement you know we all look at the the kind of professional athletes like Annie Thorestutter and her recovery she did something similar it was around a similar sort of time scale that she got to the games I think her daughter was um I don't know if she was a year or she was just under I can't remember but you know what what an amazing um recovery period for women and it just shows that if we look after our bodies throughout pregnancy and we really don't rush to get back to what we want to do you know I can appreciate it's frustrating I mean I've experienced the frustration early pregnancy of knowing that my body's capable but I shouldn't or I couldn't or whatever it might be so I know that there's going to be elements of frustration going back to the sport again and and feeling like I really want to go for it but knowing that it's not the right thing to do but you know that you're not going to win the race by jumping back into things you're much more prone to long-term injury you know bad injury you know whether it be internal or um you know musculature or whatever um so you you know women like you are an amazing inspiration for other women to realize that just because you're not back to full capacity six months after pregnancy doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to achieve things so that's uh, music to my ears I'm I'm a
1: firm believer in taking your time, recovering as best you can. It's oh a hundred percent frustrating and there were tears along the way, a hundred percent. Um having to watch the first open at the time, the first open was like in the April time, and I couldn't take part because I was four months postpartum. I I I my mind was ready to go and yeah. I could do those things but should I do those things was the answer was no. Mm -hmm. And so I just couldn't do it because I couldn't do scaled because I just was like, well, why am I bothering? You know, which is probably not a good way of looking at things, but also I'm competitive. I, yeah, I want to be Mm -hmm. my best. And even now, um, I'm on a similar, like you mentioned, I'm on a similar track right now. I, I do need um, yeah, a knee replacement and I am battling with that and having injections in my knee every few months, but I can still do competitive. I just need to be sensible mm-hmm. with returning to um, what I'm doing and, and just I'm not training anywhere near as much as I used to, but, but I've made my peace with that. And yeah. I, think, I think what a key thing to say is, well, it takes your body around 18 months to fully recover after having a baby. And I think people don't realize that they're like at four or five months saying I'm five months postpartum, I should be back. No, you shouldn't. Mm. Five months postpartum, postpartum is forever. You're you're postpartum forever. And the fact is, you will come back stronger if you're patient. And I've had um recent ledgers, a friend of mine, and she has come back on a huge um uh recovery from having she's on her third very I think she's a bit younger than me she would like to say I'm a similar age but I think she's a bit younger than me mm-hmm. um but similarish age and she's um smashing out pbs all over the place yeah and this is she's been doing crossfit a long time as well so it just proves you can still get older I'm getting pbs now yeah, and I'm 42 amazing. been doing crossfit 13 years I shouldn't still get pbs but I haven't yet I don't feel like yet yeah, I've reached my potential. Mm. Um and I think once you've had a baby, your body knows what it can go through. It knows what stress, what labor's not easy. I mean it's it's fine, it's it, it's you know, it's it's not as scary as everyone thinks. Mm. Um but it's you know, you're, it's a lot of stress for your body to go under. And so once your body's able to do that, gosh, you can handle anything in CrossFit. It's not going to have to go through childbirth in CrossFit. So, you know, once your body's able to do that, I just believe you can reach anything postpartum.
0: I love that. That's so that is literally the perfect way of looking at things. And I guess... From somebody who isn't at that point yet, and I'm still very early days when it comes to my CrossFit journey as well. Um, it's really I'm I'm 35, you know, there's I'm I'm now seen as, as a master's athlete. All of these things that you're saying is making me very excited about the future for me in CrossFit. So, you know, I'm grateful and I'm sure there are many women listening thinking, do you know what? You're you're so right. Life doesn't end when we have children, which which so many women allow their lives to completely revolve around their children and i'm not saying that my priority won't be my children of course it will be my child no not plural yet but um you know that (laughs) of course they will be my priority however I don't want to lose myself. I don't want to lose my vision for myself. And, and, um, and so hearing that from from someone who's lived it, you've got three children, you know, you've got successful businesses, you're a busy, full time working mum, plus training plus competitive, is a huge, huge reassurance for someone like me, and I'm sure for so many others. So that's just incredible to hear. And um, it really, really is. So I've got this question that I wanted to ask you right at the beginning, but I think it was wise for the listeners to sort of understand a bit more about you and your journey. Um, But the question that I've wanted to ask you is how do you do it? So you've got two businesses, (laughs) you work full time, you have three children, one teenager essentially, one that's just turned four, um, and you train and you compete. I mean, there are women out there that I'm sure will say, you know, I can't even make time to go to the gym, let alone do everything that you're doing. How do you do it, Rhee? It's just blown my mind. It truly has. <laughs> it's um I think I'm I'm
1: very lucky in that I've well, I've got a supportive family. Um, my husband likes to train as well, so he knows it's important for me to train. So we take it in turns, like he'll do a morning, and then when our two Eldest do a sport every night as you can probably imagine Mm -hmm. so when they're at their activities so they do two hours of gym on a Tuesday for example those two hours I drop them off a little bit early then I train for the two hours then I go and pick them up after Mm -hmm. and then it's sort of I get home about nine o'clock and then do supper and everything um and then on um a Saturday morning is my turn to train. My husband then does a Sunday morning. Um, I train in the garage on a Monday night when Finn's in bed, and I've dropped one of them off at gym. I go in the garage with my middle daughter, Harriet. Trains with me in the garage on a Monday. Oh, amazing! So it's just things like that. It's just fitting. It's just it's it is being organized. Um, it's wanting it. Like training right. for me is like is like brushing my teeth. You know, mm-hmm. I it's not negotiable it's mm-hmm. I fit it in okay recently I've not been doing as much you can probably hear as I don't normally sound quite as nasal as I know, this I <laughs> but <laughs> I have been um, a bit ill over the last few weeks and then it's come back again to haunt me on bug number two last Thursday um so yeah it's it is as something as simple as brushing my teeth for me it, it just is in my day and then so I will fit it in whatever happens because Mm i i want to do it but um i think that's that's it and you have to be honest with your partner as well and i think they have to know they are the mum or the dad or um whoever it is and you have to be honest with them that 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 you need your time to be a better parent and a, a parent that is present you have to have your time as well because it's stressful it's it does get you know a lot of there's a lot going on especially you know when I'm working and I'm trying to ferry the kids around and my business is uh, it gets a lot and I need my time out to de-stress and that's my gym time so Mm -hmm. it's important that I have that headspace so I think it's important to discuss with your partner that you need that time even just an hour just to go and get your get your me time in and then you can come back feeling refreshed feeling ready to go and then you can just hit life running then
0: yeah i think that's that i couldn't agree more and that's something that i'm i've voiced to my friends and to my family and that um and what i've just said you know losing yourself just because you're a mother doesn't have to happen you just have to be really sure about who you are and what you want to do. And if that's training or, you know, another sport or another hobby that gives you a little bit of time where you can be yourself and it's your own time. It's so important, but not just for you, but for your family and for the children and for them to see you continue to be your own person. I think that's a huge part of um growing up as well is having that um, figure to look up to and, and aspire to, um, is, is amazing. So, and I'm, and and I'm sure that's a big part of it for you as well. I mean, training with your daughter, that sounds amazing. The fact that they want to get involved too. Um, are they, are they into CrossFit themselves?
1: Yeah, Harriet does football, gymnastics, and she does CrossFit kids as well awesome. at Solve in, um, Worcester. So, um, and yeah, they, she trains with me as well on a Monday night and, she just keeps coming up to me and saying she wants to get stronger, um so I absolutely love that. She's quite um a slight thing, Harriet is mm-hmm. So even though she was my biggest baby, she was nine one, she was um a big a big toddler, and then now she's quite slight, um, mm-hmm. very, very fast. Um, but she, yeah, she's good fun to join me. She joined me every day in lockdown in the garage every That's day. Amazing, even when I wasn't wasn't so keen and needed a little bit of space from uh, <laughs> children.
0: <laughs> Are you sure you want to join me? Are you sure? Do you have to? Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> How about you
1: go in and watch a bit of TV? <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. I mean, but to have so, children like that, that that shows yeah. that they have been inspired by you because, you know, it's very unusual for a, um, a child in a family of non-exercisers or people who aren't passionate about competitive sport to really want to take it up. You know, it comes from somewhere. So that must be a real achievement. Um, you, do you feel that's achievement from you, from your point?
1: Yeah, yeah, I am I'm I've always hoped that they would want to do sport and I've never tried to push them too much into CrossFit no. specifically. Mm. As long as they're active, um, then I'm happy for them to do whatever they want. And I mean she loves football. Football's her main love and she's good at football. Um, but you know, you can do sport alongside other sports and yeah, then yeah. I just wanted them to do an array of sports. And then they'll find out what they like to do and what they want to focus on because what she's doing right now is not sustainable for a long time because it's a lot. Wow, yeah, it's (laughs) a lot. yeah.
0: You're all incredibly busy (laughs) and the fact that you, you know you do all of this and you, you, you're, you're clearly inspiring your children to do the same they're, they're at school and they're doing all this sport and it's it's truly amazing and, and a massive inspiration so um, good for you guys that's amazing so final question I think what is really important for anyone that's listening that perhaps is a little bit has, has met that judgement perhaps doesn't have as much support around them um, or education or whatever it might be about training not just CrossFit but you know about anything in pregnancy what advice would you give to a first-time mum about training in their pregnancy?
1: Um, I think I would advise to try and find someone if you can that is a a coach um, a pregnancy postpartum coach or someone that understands what your requirements are Mm -hmm. and what you want to be able to do, even if you don't follow a program for them, because I would say sticking in classes is quite vital as well. You want to be surrounded by people um, because that will help you through. But I think it's finding someone that can help advise you what to do and give you confidence to continue that training, to know that you are doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing by you. You're doing the right thing by your baby um, because a happy mum is going to be a happy baby. And just to listen to your body. And you know, you know, you're doing the right thing.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think you're so right. And actually, that that is the most common bit of advice given by other women that have their own professionals that have guided them helped them throughout their journeys. Um, Now, again something that i mentioned last week which is something that's really new and exciting i just want to leave for those women that perhaps don't have the financial um you know ability or um time or whatever it might be their limitation on not being able to work with this professional there is also this amazing new um sport england funded uh, postpartum program which is completely free go and check out the last episode i talked about it um i put all the links in the episode notes so yes it won't be specific to you potentially but there will be lots of really good guidance about how to get back to being active postpartum um and and also you know as much as i think the the main thing for me is is i i I don't know if you agree re is don't compare yourself that's one that i think is really important because looking at some women that perhaps aren't educated or they are and their their recovery is going to be different to yours, your injury, your pregnancy injury is going to be different to everyone else's. And, and it's so easy to think, oh, she's doing that. Like, surely I should do that or I yeah. can do that. Uh, did you experience any of that?
1: Yeah, to be honest, I was quite lucky because there weren't many people around that were pregnant when I was pregnant. I think mm-hmm. I was one of the um, first in the CrossFit UK network, I was very lucky that I was able to spread the positivity. And I know a lot of people that now had their babies and there's quite a number of them that are doing a brilliant way of um, sharing their postpartum experience and sharing the good things they're doing. Um, But then there's also a few that are doing things a little bit rushed and a little bit too soon and it's very difficult to you want to message them and tell them, please just yeah, yeah, you know, rein it in a bit, but then equally you don't want to be that person that Is doing that to a new mum who's already obviously going through in a journey of her own emotions. Mm -hmm. But then you don't want, because there are risks to training and lifting heavy too early postpartum when pelvic block ready, because you can risk injury to your body then. Mm -hmm. um, Like you say, your joints probably aren't ready. You can still risk giving yourself a prolapse postpartum Mm -hmm. by squatting too heavy too early. Um, and I'm not talking about you know doing a 20 kilo squat I'm talking about you know going for a one rep max
0: yeah when you haven't
1: learned to control your pelvic floor so it's I think it's very difficult and just make sure you're following the right people that make you feel good Mm -hmm. that make you feel like your your journey is the right journey for you and don't feel like you have to be doing all that and just mute them for a little bit. If these people are just getting in your head and getting upsetting you and making you feel like you're not doing it right, mm-hmm. just mute them for a little bit and come back to them when you're in the place you want to be. Because I think the hardest thing I found was looking in that mirror at two, three, four days postpartum and having this massive swollen belly and just thinking, oh, I'm never going to be the same again. Mm-hmm. And it's it's I feel that and I understand that. And it is a way I don't like when people say, oh, but you've had a lo- you've had a lovely baby. And it's like, well, I know I've had a baby. It's come out by vagina. Yeah. I understand that. yeah Yeah. But what what you what they don't understand is that you're going to feel these emotions because it is a body you're not recognizing right then. And when you can't do anything about it to change it it does go through your head that it's, it's frustrating and upsetting and there will, will be tears. Um, I remember that. But when you are ready and when you can do things, that's when it becomes easier because you can start to see these little changes and you're able yeah. to do things. And your body becomes less important when you can do stuff. It's when you mm. can't do stuff that your body gets in your head um, because you can't do anything to change it because it's too early. But when you start to be able to just do little things and you just see little changes and um, the swelling starts to go um, and things like that. So I think just follow the right people who give the right messages that you're doing the right thing for you. Mm. And then things will start to fall into place when they're ready.
0: I love that. That's that's really good. And and actually relating what you just said to CrossFit. And that's why I, I love CrossFit is that you can. Absolutely, get carried away in other sports or what, perhaps when you're new to a sport what, by the way that the aesthetic, the way that you look. But when you are looking to, you know, become better at CrossFit, those things will go out the window. So that's, again, really good mm-hmm. advice in that when you can start to do these things again and you get excited by the prospect of making progress, I can see how the the way that you look will become much less important. So great for CrossFitters to remember that, remember that time when you forgot about what your body looked like because you were hitting PBs or learning new skills or whatever it might be. Um, It's, it doesn't make it any easier when you're first postpartum, I can imagine. And I've got no doubt that I will also go through that. But um, yeah, really great advice. Well, re really, honestly, what an inspiration you are! Um, I'm truly grateful for you sharing your story, being honest, but also giving some really amazing advice and hope. I think is a really great way of looking at it to other women in, you know, in a competitive, um, on their own competitive journey, to think that you can still be an amazing competitor, even though you have put your body through something that is just so stressful and so extreme you can still achieve don't give up um so thank you for for being that um that kind of beacon of light for us it's it's truly inspirational
1: Uh, thank you so much for having me and uh yeah i appreciate the time
0: Oh well I won't keep you any longer. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Um so thanks a lot. And um I'll definitely be watching you continuing to watch you and looking back through some of your posts for sure. So thanks again, Ree, and uh you take care. Thank you, and you so there we have it, Ree Pearson. What an absolute inspiration for so many reasons and so much wise information shared. I can see why so many people follow her and have such great respect for her in the community. So thank you so much, Ree. If you want to see what Ree does and what she gets up to, then you can check out all her information, including her two fitness-inspired businesses, in the episode notes. I'm sure she will be more than happy if you get in touch. Maybe don't inundate her, though. And of course, all my information is also in the episode notes. I would love to hear from you, whether it's just to share your thoughts on any episodes, your own experiences, any questions that you might have for future episodes. It would be wonderful to hear from you. So you can do that. Get in touch with me direct at info Or you can just hit me up on the DMs in the socials details or in the episode notes, as I say. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your patience once again, and I'll be back really soon with another episode. You take care. Bye.